Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Boardwalk Real Estate Investment Trust second quarter 2021 earnings conference call. At this time, note that all lines are in the listen-only mode. But following the presentation, we will conduct a question and answer session. If at any time during this call you require immediate assistance, please press star zero for the operator. Also note that the call is being recorded on Friday, August 13, 2021. And I would like to turn the call over to Mr. James Hall. Please go ahead, sir. Thank you, Sylvie, and welcome to the Boardwalk Reach 2021 Second Quarter Results Conference Call. With me here today is Sam Colius, Chief Executive Officer, and Lisa Smanage, Chief Financial Officer. Note that this call is being broadly disseminated by way of webcast. If you have not already done so, please visit bwalk.com investors, where you will find a link to today's presentation, as well as PDF files of the trust financial statements, MD&A, as well as supplemental information package. Starting on slide two, we would like to remind our listeners that certain statements in this call and presentation may be considered forward-looking statements. Although the expectations set forth in such statements are based on reasonable assumptions, Boardwalk's future operation and its actual performance may differ materially from those in any forward-looking statements. Information that could cause actual results to differ materially from these statements are detailed in Boardwalk's publicly filed documents. I'd like to now turn the call over to Sam Colius. Thank you, James, and welcome everyone to our Q2 conference calls. Starting on slide three, we have four strategic pillars for how we are creating value for our stakeholders. Our significant organic growth is derived of higher occupancies with strong rental market fundamentals in our core markets. Our mark to market is significant and inflation results in a reduction in discounts with much lower rental market vacancies. We continue with our disciplined investment in our value-add program, further diversifying our brand and product, resulting in increasing market share. We are creatively recycling our capital with the disposition of non-core assets, redeploying this capital into new acquisitions in both geographic and economically diverse markets. With higher inflation, and recent sales of newly developed multifamily communities in the GTA are on time and on budget. Current development in Brampton is highly accretive. We continue on a solid financial foundation with a strong balance sheet, access to low cost CMHC insured financing, which provides interest expense savings and our low payout ratio maximizes free cash flow for accretive reinvestment returns driving our FFO higher. We are well positioned to continue our solid track record with the reopening of our economy. Slide four shows our most recent results and resumption of our guidance reflect the success of our re-engineering of our culture, service, product quality, and brand. Q2 2021 FFO per unit grew by 5.6% or $0.75 per unit, which includes $0.02 of retirement costs. 
Our guidance for the remaining year is for FFO between $2.80 to $2.92, which includes retirement costs incurred. As slide five shows, we are in the right place at the right time, with demand for affordability growing, coupled with limited new supply in our core markets, putting Boardwalk on a solid foundation for many years of sustainable growth. We provide the most affordable rents in Canada. The graph on the right shows a shift of higher population and demand growth than new supply in Alberta and Saskatchewan. Slide six shows our seasonally strong summer leasing season continues to be active with the return of post-secondary students, more jobs as per the most recent StatsCan jobs report resulting in the increase in demand for affordable housing. Note, June moveouts are seasonally high each year in Quebec. Slide seven. Our Q2 2021 key operating metrics show continued revenue gains through a combination of optimizing occupancy, rental rates, and incentives, resulting in sustainable gains of occupied rent to a very affordable $1,191 in June. Our average unit size is a two-bedroom unit. Slide eight shows our rent change on new and renewal leases and how the use of incentives for new rentals has resulted in higher occupancy and sequential revenues as displayed in the purple weighted average line graph. Renewal spreads continue to remain positive and represent 60 to 70% of monthly lease activity. Sustainable inflation rental adjustments on renewals are offsetting inflationary increases in our non-controllable expenses. Positive spreads on new leases are realized when occupancy reaches 97% or higher. The trust has positive new leasing spreads in Saskatchewan, Ontario, and the Quebec markets. Calgary is ahead of Edmonton on occupancy in both regions are seeing strong rental demand through this summer, resulting in current occupancy of 97.5% in Calgary and 95% in Edmonton. With our international borders tentatively scheduled to reopen September 7th, we expect a continued strong second half of rentals. Slide nine shows our significant organic growth opportunity as we stabilize vacancy in all our markets to 97% and higher, which allows us to reduce incentives further on both new and renewal leases. As depicted, Alberta represents the largest annualized revenue opportunity, primarily from discount reductions. Ontario and Quebec have mark-to-market potential on turnover units. We would now like to pass the call on to Lisa Smandage, who will provide us with an overview of our operating margin, financial and repositioning results. Lisa? Thank you, Sam. Moving to slide 10. In addition to the organic revenue growth opportunity, the trust remains disciplined and focused on managing its controllable expenses despite increases in non-controllable costs. This discipline has resulted in declining controllable expenses year over year, and when coupled with our revenue growth potential, will allow margins to continue to improve. On slide 11, 
We have experienced the inflection in sequential revenue growth as Q2 was positive as compared to Q1. With improved occupancy and net effective rents increasing, we expect this positive sequential revenue growth to continue. Our Q2 2021 operating results reflect positive NOI growth in our Quebec, Saskatchewan and Ontario markets. A drop in NOI for our Alberta markets was due to higher non-controllable expenses as well as slower winter months and further lockdowns. However, vacancy troughed in the first quarter of 2021 and as mentioned, we are expecting positive revenue growth for the remainder of the year. Looking at the second half of 2021, we anticipate property tax savings in Alberta will be a tailwind while both utilities and insurance may be potential headwinds. With increased gas prices, utilities could be higher on our 25% non-hedge portion. However, higher gas prices are positive for the overall economy. Insurance premiums remain expensive due to continued market supply constraints. With these increases in non-controllable costs, we remain focused on managing our controllable expenses. Slide 12 illustrates Boardwalk's mortgage maturity schedule. Our mortgages are well staggered with approximately 98% of our mortgage balance carrying NHA insurance through the Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation. This insurance remains in effect for the full amortization of the mortgage and in addition to carrying the Government of Canada's backing provides access to low-cost financing with current estimated 5- and 10-year CMHC rates of 1.7% and 2.3% respectively. With current rates well below the trust maturing rates, mortgage financing continues to be one of the lowest costs of capital available to the trust. With over $700 million in mortgage maturities for the remainder of 2021 and fiscal 2022, an 80 basis point interest rate decline on renewal provides annualized financing cost savings of $5.6 million subsequent to 2022. Slide 13 summarizes our progress on our 2021 mortgage maturities. To date, we have renewed or forward locked approximately 49% of our 2021 mortgage maturities, as well as secured $117.9 million in new financing at low interest rates. Current underwriting criteria in our most recent submissions to CMHC and our lenders has remained in line with our historically conservative estimates. Moving to the right of the slide, we provide a summary of Boardwalk's available liquidity. The trust is well positioned with approximately $52 million in cash and subsequently funded financings, as well as an undrawn $199 million operating line. This approximate $252 million in liquidity provides the trust with a flexible financial position in the current environment as well as providing the ability to take advantage of opportunities as they present themselves. Lastly, the trust debt metrics continue to improve with an interest coverage of 2.86 in the current quarter. Slide 14 provides a summary of the recycling of cash flow towards value-add improvements. To date, we have completed approximately 26% of total suite improvements while aiming to complete 47% of our total portfolio common areas and amenity spaces by the end of 2021. Our focus is to continue to deliver the best product, optimizing our capital allocation for our value-add program to our targeted resident member demographic so we can continue to provide the most exceptional elevated experience at an affordable price. The result is increased market demand, exceptional value, and appealing returns with sustainable market rent adjustments. Slide 15 illustrates our stabilized renovation returns for Marlboro Manor and Fort Gary House, both located in Edmonton, Alberta with returns of 13% and 10% respectively, which have exceeded our internal hurdle rate of 
Our renovations continue to garner positive resident member testimonials, driving referrals, and higher occupancy. I would now like to turn the call to James Todd to discuss our recent acquisitions and dispositions. James? Thank you, Lisa. As previously disclosed, Boardwalk closed on two acquisitions in the second quarter, as shown on slide 16. Mountain View Estates in world-renowned Banff, Alberta is a four-season tourism destination that has limited housing supply. The community features high-demand two- and three-bedroom units and currently has no availability. The property yields an attractive 5% cap rate and adds further efficiency to our Banff portfolio. Our second acquisition in the quarter was Aurora, a recently constructed fully stabilized asset in Victoria. The 114-unit property in View Royal is 99% occupied and the accretive 4.25% cap rate represents exceptional value to recent market transactions in the region. The community features large suites located adjacent to the Victoria General Hospital, natural green spaces, nearby amenities, and is immediately adjacent to Boardwalk's Eagle's Nest development site. Slide 17 provides a brief update on this Victoria development site and updates on our accretive, pardon me, accretive and active development pipeline. Our Brampton development continues to progress on time and on budget with anticipated delivery of the first tower of the 365-unit marquee community in the fall of 2022. Eagle's Nest, one of our development sites in Victoria, is nearing the completion of entitlements with development permit application anticipated in the third quarter. Slide 18 provides an update on our progress on our capital recycling through the sale of non-core assets. On June 30th, the trust sold a non-core 78-unit community in Edmonton. The sale price of $9.25 million was in line with the value the trust had the asset carried at and represents a 4.5% cap rate on recent full-year NOI. Post-quarter, the trust also agreed to sell Oak Tower, an 11-story non-core asset in Edmonton, for a sale price of $11.8 million. This sale price of $169,000 per door was above the trust's IFRS fair value for the asset and equates to a 3.75% cap rate on most recent full-year NOI. The transaction is scheduled to close in mid-September. These sales of non-core assets provides the trust with the opportunity to high-grade and redeploy proceeds toward higher quality and growth opportunities, and we look forward to sharing updates on our value-enhancing deployment of these proceeds. Slide 19 provides detail on the exceptional value that Boardwalk's current trust units represent. Boardwalk's current trading price implies a value of approximately $154,000 per apartment door and compares favorably to both our own and other recent transactions. The most recent market transaction in Edmonton was a portfolio of over 1,500 suburban apartment units that compare to Boardwalk's most affordable living brand assets in Edmonton. Our NAV of $59.35 per trust unit, equating to $176,000 per apartment door, represents an exceptional opportunity relative to market pricing and remains well below the increasing cost of replacement. Utilizing trailing 12-month property NOI on slide 20, Boardwalk's current trading price equates to an attractive 5.3% cap rate and is a significant spread to the cost of available mortgage capital as well as recent capitalization rates seen in major markets in Canada. With sequential revenues increasing, the trust is anticipating a return to NOI growth going forward and further increases the attractiveness of our implied cap rate. These improved multifamily fundamentals, increased visibility, and the reopening of our economy are providing the trust with the ability to reintroduce our financial guidance as summarized on slide 21. By the last six months of 2021, the trust is anticipating a return to same property NOI growth with a range of up to 4%. 
This offsets the slight same property NOI decline in the first half of this year, resulting from rental rate restrictions from the pandemic in 2020. The trust anticipates our track record of FFO growth will continue with a forecasted range of $2.80 to $2.92, despite the inclusion of two cents of retirement costs incurred this year. The trust is confident in its forecast for the year. However, please note that a rapid change in conditions may cause these estimates to change. Our boardwalk team is committed to leading in transparency and will update its stakeholders in the event of any change in conditions that may materially impact our forecast. On slide 22, the trust continues to have an industry low payout ratio, providing maximum cash flow reinvestment, positioning boardwalk with ample capital for growth. Our board of trustees regularly reviews our distribution and with a runway for FFO growth in our core portfolio, the trust is well positioned to return to sustainable distribution increases to its unit holders on an annual basis. And lastly, slides 23 and 24 provide highlights from our recent ESG report as well as measurable objectives the trust has set for the year. The Boardwalk team is proud to highlight our continued focus on ESG by continuing to provide our essential service of affordable housing to Canadians and striving to improve how we can further improve our environmental and social impact while enhancing our already top-rated governance practices. We look forward to updating our stakeholders on our progress towards these measurable objectives in the coming quarters. We would now like to open up the phone line for questions. Sylvie? Thanks. Thank you, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, if you do have any questions, please press star followed by one on your touchtone phone. You will then hear a three-tone prompt acknowledging your request. And if you would like to withdraw your question, simply press star followed by two. If you're using a speakerphone, we do ask that you please lift the handset first before pressing any keys. Please go ahead and slowly press star one now if you have any questions. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Question will be from Jonathan Kelcher at TD. Please go ahead. Thanks. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Um, first question, just on the on the guidance. I guess it sounds like property tax is, is going to be a tailwind in in the back half of this year. Um, you turn the corner to sequential revenue growth in in Q2, and I expect that to, to keep going. What, what would keep you guys? Um, closer to the low end of the zero to four uh, percent same property NOI over the back half of the year. Here, Jonathan, it's James here. Thanks for the question. Uh, 100% right uh, on those uh, sequential revenue of 0.8% in the second quarter. You know, uh, as Sam mentioned in his uh, prepared remarks, we continue to see growth in occupancy. We're continuing to position ourselves to uh, begin incentive reductions or discount reductions. Uh, towards the back half of this year, and that's giving us the confidence on, uh, as Lisa mentioned, sequential revenue to continue to grow towards the back half of this year. Uh, with regards to property tax, we do have our final bills in uh, now for the second half of the year, and there's a little bit of nuance there given property tax calendar years being from July to June. And so as a result of that, we are anticipating a decline in property tax for the second half of the year. You know, for, for the bottom end of the guidance range, really, you know, given the, the pandemic environment that exists here today, 
you know, we certainly want to build in a little bit of cautiousness uh, in the event of any material change in uh, the macro economy. But at this point, uh, given kind of eight months of data uh, with, with the current guidance range that we have, we're fairly comfortable with, again, our goal and target of meeting at, at certainly at least the midpoint and aiming to, to uh, exceed the midpoint of that guidance range. Okay, so it's just a little bit conservative in case lockdowns come back or, or something unforeseen like that. That's, that's correct, Jonathan. Okay, and then the second question, just on the, um, I think you said this, James, in, in your prepared remarks, you talked about potentially increasing the, the dividend. Um, with your minimum payout ratio target, how, how close are you guys to having to having to do that? Is that is that something we would see in 2021 or is, is potentially 2022? Hi, Jonathan. It's Lisa. So, so we evaluate that distribution on a regular basis. Uh, internally, we certainly do it monthly. So we're always looking at sort of our tax forecast and running those projections forward based on FFO growth. So uh, we, as James mentioned, the goal will be to provide sustainable increases, right? So we want it to be sustainably able to grow over on an annual basis going forward. So we'll just we will keep looking at it. I don't think we know exactly our timeline. It would sort of depend on some of our dispositions and our other capital recycling. Because to your point, we want to maintain uh, as much free cash flow as we can. So we'll keep those low payout ratios to maintain that free cash flow. Okay. Um... That's it for me. I'll, I'll turn it back. Thanks. Thanks, Jonathan. Thank, thank you. Next question will be from Matt Logan at RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Thank you, and good morning. Good morning, Matt. Uh, Sam, there certainly seems to be a stampede of leasing activity in Alberta. When you look towards the back half of the year and the you know, the burn-off of incentives starting to incur, would that imply kind of getting to a 97% plus occupancy by December? And if so, what does that translate into in terms of potential same property NOI growth in 2022? Thank you, Matt. It's Sam. And we're over 97% occupancy everywhere except for Edmonton at 95. And with the the stampede of rentals in Edmonton, we are looking at uh, 97% uh, occupancy in Edmonton uh, by as soon as uh, next uh, couple months, so before Christmas, especially uh, with the international demand reopening in September. That is going to uh, result in a big backlog of folks that are waiting to come back and Edmonton in particular is a big beneficiary of international migration and and so Edmonton will be um, a, it will continue to be an even bigger star than the northern star it already is for us uh, uh, in the back half and that will essentially put all of our our uh, markets over 97% occupancy in our entire occupancy will be back to where it was pre-COVID, Matt, is essentially we're going back to the future before COVID, and that's pretty well what we're seeing. And pre-COVID, we were seeing 4 to 8% um, uh, renewals and new lease uh, rates, which essentially is recovering inflation. And that's, that's what we're we're looking uh, to do, and we're actually seeing that today in Saskatchewan. 
48% um, between our renewals and new rentals as uh, is what we're seeing today in Saskatchewan. Great color. And in terms of the same property and Y growth, does that kind of imply a mid single digit growth rate in 2022 or could that be perhaps a bit better? Hey Matt, it's James. Yeah, again, similar to what Sam was saying, you know, certainly pre-pandemic revenue is is going to be a, a, a significant driver here or input for that same property NOI. Obviously, on the controllable expenses, I think our team has done a fantastic job and will continue to do a great job of uh, exercising discipline and looking for innovative ways to save on our controllable expenses. You know, we have a, a good property tax headwind, as, as Jonathan had mentioned earlier, uh, for this year. But that remains, again, a, a non-controllable cost that we'll have to watch really closely. Um, you know, to, to Sam's point, similar to what we were doing pre-pandemic, we can uh, get into that position where we're starting to obtain 4 to 8% uh, leasing spreads uh, on rentals. That's going to really position us well to do what we were doing pre-pandemic. And so if you look at pre-pandemic, you know, that was you know, mid-single-digit same property NOI growth, which at, in this interest rate environment was delivering double-digit FFO growth. Um, appreciate that. Maybe just changing gears. In your press release, you had a number of comments on the transactions um, in the market. What does that translate into for potential cap rate compression in the back half of uh, the year? Yeah, thanks, Matt. Uh, it, it's it's really been great to see kind of that price discovery that everybody has been waiting for in our in our core markets, and it was great to see that those transactions occurred post quarter. Or our own included as well as we just disclosed with our Oak Tower sale. Uh, and so uh, in partnership with our external appraisers, we're going to have a really close eye on that uh, uh, going forward for the second half of the year. But, you know, similar to, to the trend being, frankly, across the country, you know, we're seeing cap rate compression pretty well across the country in all major markets and uh, Edmonton, Calgary, Regina, Saskatoon included. And so uh, working with our uh, third-party external appraisers, we, we would anticipate uh, the potential for some cap rate compression here uh, in the back half of the year. And can you tell us what the cap rate on the Oak Tower sale was? Uh, we did. It was uh, 375 on uh, most recent calendar year NOI. I appreciate that. Um, that's good for me. I will turn the call back. Thank you very much. Thank you. Next question will be from Joanne Chen at BMO. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Good morning, um, Joanne. Just uh, maybe circling back on the capital recycling front, uh, do you see more opportunities um, for the back half of the year? And then redeploying, how will you think about the redeployment of those proceeds? Uh, thank you, Joanne. Yes, we see lots of opportunity, and and um, we're super excited about our development, which is really a creative, and especially our wood frame walk-up, and especially where cap rates are leveling uh, down at in Victoria. The wood frame walk-up uh, success we've had in Calgary and Regina uh, is being applied in the two sites that we purchased, uh, one fully zoned and one that's just going into the zoning. And the value that we're creating uh, uh, from the pre-zoning and, and, and land purchase right through to the development is extremely accretive and provides a, a, a potential future access of free cash flow, uh, like we're seeing our, our partner uh, Rio can accessing 
cash flow uh, by the most recently announced sales of the most recent um, developments that were completed in Toronto. And, and so we're, we're super excited about the new development in these supply-sustained uh, uh, markets. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's where we see the biggest value creation going forward, especially with the wood frame walk-up. We can build a wood frame community within 12 months, refinance out of it, um, and even sell uh, some of it to uh, provide all the equity for the uh, multifamily community that, that we keep. And so uh, it's super exciting to get into uh, uh, the fine-tuning and re-engineering of our redevelopment and, and create the capital we need in our development program for newly developed multifamily communities. It's, it, we're super excited about it. I'll just add to that, Joanne. I think our team's done a great job in term, uh, for the acquisitions that we've made as well uh, in uh, uncovering these opportunities. Um, our acquisition in Victoria, uh, Aurora, you know, uh, acquiring that at four and a quarter cap, like I mentioned in my in our prepared remarks, mm-hmm. we're seeing cap rates transact very recently at well below that. Similar with our Kitchener Waterloo uh, acquisitions that we made earlier this year, you know, looking for those accretive opportunities for us to to high grade and redeploy capital. I mean, you know, the more we can't get enough of that, and so yeah, we'll continue with this cap active capital recycling where we're able to, you know, pair these non core assets and deploy that to towards a creative, uh, higher quality growth profiles. Thank you, James. We really can't give enough credit to our in-house uh, design and redevelopment uh, and repositioning. Uh, we are miles ahead of our competitors with our redesign value-add program. For instance, uh, London, Ontario, we're seeing incentives in competitors' rents, and we have no incentives or vacancy in our Kitchener, Waterloo, uh, London, um, uh, and Cambridge uh, marketplaces, and that's a perfect example of, and the performance that that we're seeing and the results uh, of the NOI growth uh, that we're seeing out of our our Eastern repositioned programs are super uh, exciting. We have just uh, returned from Quebec uh, last week. We have so much excess uh, empty land in uh, Quebec City uh, and, and Montreal for that. And so the empty land that we have uh, got us really excited last week too. Again, more wood frame walk-up uh, development infill potential there uh, with land already bought and paid for. So we're, uh, yeah, we're very excited uh, with all the lessons we've learned with development. It you know took us a while to figure out uh, the nuances of new development and we're in turbocharge mode with new development and creating capital that is self-sustainable and, and recycling um, a, a phenomenal uh, uh, self-sustaining uh, development program. Sounds great. And I guess uh, maybe just should think yours, you know, it's good to see the leasing momentum pick up. And um, how should we say be thinking about um, the use of incentives uh, towards back up of the year, should we be seeing that kind of slowly trend down again? Yeah, we're seeing really what we've never seen before, a big wave of rentals. People are coming back home, back home to Alberta, back home to Saskatchewan. And when we are downtown Calgary, there's lots of people there. When we're on Deerfoot Trail, it's 
bumper to bumper in the morning, bumper to bumper, even at three o'clock, well before the 4.30 whistle. And, and so there are more people moving back home to Alberta and Saskatchewan than we've ever seen. And so that will create a much higher occupancy. With that, we're gonna be uh, very disciplined, we're gonna continue to be flexible, and we're gonna see uh, some significant decreases in our reductions, which are gonna allow us to recapture inflationary increases that we're all seeing. And, and that, that is, is how we see the future, is, is a sustainable adjustment where we can continue on a rock-solid foundation of affordability to deliver years and years and years of rock-solid FFO and NOI growth. And that's, that's what we've re-engineered our, ourselves to do, is to be the best value proposition in the entire market and stay there. And that's, that's how we're looking at our future. Yeah, Joanne, I think uh, occupancy is key for those incentives. And so, as, as Sam mentioned earlier, you know, we've, we've seen examples of that even in Saskatchewan, right? Saskatchewan, we've seen that occupancy uh, reach and exceed that 97% target. We've seen the broad market occupancy there uh, increase, in other words, vacancy decline. And that's positioned us to, to deliver those sustainable incentive reductions on both new and renewals. Calgary, as Sam mentioned, you know, we're sitting at 97.5% occupancy. Uh, market continues to tighten in terms of vacancy in Calgary, and we're positioning ourselves now to you know, convert those uh, new leasing spreads with much uh, reduced discounts from what we were doing in the past. Edmonton's not far behind, right? Edmonton's at, uh, as I mentioned, 95% occupancy. We're gaining on that occupancy each and every day. Uh, and that's in, all in advance of, you know, this big uh, uh, migration growth that we're all expecting here across Canada, right? Once we start to see a return to migration and more permanent residents, that's going to further tighten housing markets across the country. And uh, as I mentioned, I mean, that, that incentive opportunity really is a, a significant mark-to-market -market opportunity for us for, for uh, the foreseeable future. Uh, Joanne, it's Sam again, and we're also seeing jobs, jobs, jobs. And folks that we speak with are all uh, advertising in other jurisdictions in the country to, again, uh, uh, attract people to come back home and fill these big job vacancies that we have and we're uh, struggling to fill the job vacancies. There are way more jobs than folks applying and, and, and that's great news for our continued uh, future as well because job growth fuels population growth and we're seeing that uh, in a big, big way uh, and everybody's seeing that uh, uh, but especially here in Alberta Saskatchewan, uh, we're, we're seeing uh, a, a big competition for applicants because there's a lot of jobs to choose from. Right. No, that's, that's helpful and, uh, yeah, no, definitely excited for the back half of the year. Um, and that's it for me. I'll turn it back. Thanks, everyone. Thank you so much, Joanne. Thank you. As a reminder, ladies and gentlemen, if you do have any questions at this time, please slowly press star followed by one on your touchtone phone. And your next question will be from Mario Sarek at Scotiabank. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Good morning, good morning. Uh, just uh, coming back to the occupancy in, in Calgary and Edmonton, I know you've, you've invested a lot in data analytics 
uh, as an organization the past couple of years. What what would you say is uh, your estimated market vacancy or market occupancy in Calgary and Edmonton? So not for your portfolio, but the broader market today. What, what does that spread look like today? Yeah, we, uh, as you know, Mario, and you can see that in the CMHC data slides that uh, I think we've moved to the appendix, but, you know, we, we pride ourselves on consistently, you know, beating the market in terms of occupancy. Uh, I would say today in Calgary, we're about 100 basis points uh, above the market, you know, very similar to Edmonton. Uh, and so today at 97, just over 97%, you know, that would make market vacancy right around 4%. You know, that's a nice balance in terms of that housing market. You know, 4% vacancy really allows uh, that rebalance of kind of the between renter, a renter's market versus a community provider market. And um, as, as we've already seen in our most recent rentals on new leasing, we've already seen kind of that return in terms of, uh, or the early day return of new leasing spreads being positive here in Calgary. Uh, Mario and yep. Sam, we get uh, daily uh, rental reports from some communities and some of our uh, leasing activity updates are leasing in Calgary with zero incentive. Good. And how how uh, how would you how would that hundred basis point premium occupancy today? I guess I have to go back, but like, what's your sense in terms of what that would look like uh, pre-pandemic? Pretty would, consistent. Would it have been right? fairly similar? Yeah. Yeah, very consistent. Uh, very consistent. Every time we go back and again compare our occupancies versus CMHC's occupancies, it, it's fairly static, uh, right around that hundred basis points. The one except, exception to that likely would have been in mid 2020, when uh, during the, the beginning of the pandemic, when we strategically really started to, to gain market share. Um, I would say since then, uh, again, we're back to kind of that hundred basis point range. Got it. Sorry, uh, Mario, just a little bit of feedback as well. There's another community in Calgary that has record back-to-back -back rentals, and that's what we call a rental that's occupied and currently um, uh, in, uh, currently uh, rented and, and having income, and it's rented for the first of the following month back-to-back. Uh, -back. So the existing resident moves out uh, day before, the new resident moves in, so we essentially lose zero uh, revenue out of out of our back-to-back. -back. So we're seeing a rise in back-to-backs in Calgary, Regina, and Saskatoon because there's no vacant units to rent anymore. Understood. Um, okay. And within uh, the guidance that you offered, uh, what what is the implied Edmonton um, occupancy in the back of the year? Is it the 97% that uh, Sam, you mentioned you think you can get to, or is it something less than that? Yeah, Mario, you know, our, our guidance certainly is going to be portfolio-wide, um, you know, and so that's going to be a component of everything together. I think Sam gave some really good color in terms of what we're expecting for and what we're anticipating in terms of uh, portfolio occupancy, and yeah, we absolutely intend uh, for that occupancy and, and see that occupancy continuing to grow uh, for the balance of the year. Right. Okay. Uh, in terms of the investment market, you know, if if we have to generalize activity in Alberta in particular, um, let, let's say pre-pandemic, it was a hundred dollars. Uh, you know, where would you say that hundred dollars was at the start of this year, and where do you think it is now? 
Sorry, the hundred dollar. Right. Yeah, just the, the the broader market, the broader market. So not not necessarily like what Boardwalk's underwriting in terms of acquisitions in Alberta, but if if the broader market was if we index it to a hundred like pre-pandemic, like how 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 far did it decline in terms of a decline in, in investment volumes on multi-res side in Alberta during kind of the depths of the pandemic, and like where where would that hundred dollars be today? Like how much has it uh, improved or, or accelerated? So, are you asking about transaction volume in Alberta? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, transaction volume, if we're speaking specifically about an investment volume in multifamily, I mean, I think we've seen that slow down significantly for everybody, right, during the pandemic. You know, we're seeing the early days of that returning. I mean, again, we've seen that with our own transactions. We've seen it with, you know, market transactions, that 1,500-unit portfolio that transacted in Alberta. You know, there's certainly a little more activity now. I mean, even in our own inquiries, even in our, in our own uh, potential non-core asset dispositions. Um, there's more velocity. I mean, it's pretty tough to gauge it on a on a relative, uh, you know, $100 example. But you know, what we can say is that uh, activity is certainly has returned. There's a lot more optimism. There's a lot more interest. I mean, where else, where else in the country can you, you know, acquire assets that with cap rates that have a forehandle on it, um, that have, you know, self-regulation in terms of uh, an NOI trajectory that's that's quite positive going forward. Um, so to answer your question, I would say yes, Mario. I would say investment activity has increased uh, much more than it, than than what we had saw during the pandemic. Okay. Well, does it feel like it's uh, ahead of where you were pre-pandemic? Like, uh, have we returned back to normal, or is there still upside there? Yeah, Sam, Mario, absolutely ahead. Everybody, as far as uh, buyers, are now scrambling to find product and it's getting very difficult with almost all inventory uh, being sold and it's it's getting very very difficult to find anybody that that wants to sell this time because of the, the significant improvement in the apartment rental fundamentals um, sellers are disappearing and buyers are lining up In terms of the characterization of the incremental buyer today, uh, how prevalent are our new first-time buyers uh, in Alberta today, relative to uh, historical average? You know, one buyer we saw uh, from Edmonton, um, a counter-cyclical buyer that moved from Edmonton to Phoenix, and. Um, he recently sold everything in Phoenix, came back to Edmonton, and is buying Edmonton and and has uh, transacted with us, wants to buy more, and, and has more capital to uh, reinvest out of um, Arizona and into Edmonton. And that that is just one of uh, many smaller apartment uh, community providers that want to be uh, the next uh, larger community provider. And so there's a lot of smaller apartment communities that are young, that are very, very successful, uh, very hands-on. And uh, we see big opportunity with, with the uh, smaller, uh, smaller uh, community providers that are solid, 
uh, uh, great community providers that, that uh, uh, we give a phenomenal opportunity for them to grow. And then uh, in return, we have capital recycle and move on to other, other developments and, and uh, uh, acquisitions uh, that, that are better suited for us. So it's, it's really a win-win-win um, situation where you know, we're talking with uh, a lot more local, uh, smaller uh, owners uh, right now, and, and, it's, and it's exciting for, for everybody. Great. Okay. Thank you for the call. That's it for me. Uh, Mario, I think we could probably sum up the, the local owners understand what's happening, and, and the, um, uh, the, the out-of-town investors are just not here. They, they have no boots on the ground to really know what's happening because it's hard to imagine Stephen Avenue Mall with a ton of people in it if you're not here in Calgary seeing that. It's hard to imagine plus 15 uh, people all over, restaurants pretty well all made it. Uh, there's, there's, uh, <laughs> there's people in our downtown, and that actually is our biggest turnaround is our downtown multifamily communities are essentially one, two percent vacancy. It's the biggest turnaround uh, we've seen. And that's a result of our reopening and the, uh, the tough decisions uh, our leadership has made to continue to be safe and to continue to live uh, as, as normal as possible lives. And, and we're seeing that big pickup in activity. The uh, new startups, we can't um, say enough how many new startups are coming and relocating uh, to Alberta as well. And so that, that's all feeding into uh, a very positive uh, multifamily uh, fundamentals. Yeah, okay, thank you. I was, that was just the, that's what I was trying to get to is that it seems like valuations are coming up and I was just curious uh, to what extent kind of non-Alberta institutional investors have been driving those valuations higher, or is that something that is still to come? So thanks, for the, uh, thanks for the color. Yeah, I think the um, non-Alberta are, are missing the boat, and that's right now. They, uh, I, we really, really, we really, really see Alberta is the right place at the right time. There, I mean, we we see that now more than we've ever seen it. So we'll, we'll make that call and we're on record for that and, and happy to be so. Thank you. Next question will be from Yashank Tao at Laurentian Bank. Please go ahead. Uh, good morning. <clears throat> good morning, yeah. um, The Oak Tower transaction, what was the average occupancy in that building over the last one year? Over the last year, you know, certainly through through the pandemic, it would have been representative of you know our portfolio was improving. Um, you know that occupancy was again, if you look at our Edmonton portfolio over the last 12 months, would have been right around the 94, 95 percent over the past little while. Okay, um, and the sale of the London property. Just want to understand what the the rationale. Uh, what was the rationale there? Uh, I'm sorry, Yash, which property? The London property. Uh, you sold a property in London, Ontario, right? We did not. No, our two non-core asset sales were both in Edmonton. Sorry, I'm reading too many MBNAs, looks like. <clears throat> sorry about that. Um, 
Um, you talked about uh, walk-up uh, development projects and, uh, you know, how you're excited about uh, the potential your portfolio has. Can you maybe talk about what, uh, is it something new that uh, you're thinking about or? No. Yeah, trying to understand the first, the, what changed yeah. your mind. Uh, the first walk-up development is almost 10 years old in Calgary. And, and for the longest time, we would never build because of the risks and the inexperience. And so what we did is build something very small and, and learn a lot. And we learned how many shingles we need for a walk-up. We learned how many square feet of drywall. We learned uh, who to trust, who to partner up with. And we built phenomenal relationships and partnerships that know every single red penny that goes into a new development and can build uh, walk up in their sleep and have built it thousands of units over and over. And, and so that has taken us 10 years to do. And, and so this, isn't, this is like any other overnight success. It takes uh, years and years uh, to have. And, and, and that's the brief history of our uh, Woodframe walk-up development uh, success. And, and they're, they're highly accretive, highly accretive. And, and, and the original uh, developments we've almost financed entirely out of with uh, very, very uh, economical uh, cost of capital, which is CMEC back cost of capital. And it's a win-win, provides more supply uh, uh, for the marketplace, and it renews our, our uh, product as well. And just to be clear, Yash, I mean, development has always been part of our capital allocation opportunities. You know, I think uh, part of the reason why, you know, we're, we're mentioning it here is, you know, you have uh, recent completions like Brio, uh, which is now completed and now stabilized. You know, it's going to give us that opportunity to yeah, uh, finance and repatriate some equity and redeploy that equity again to future developments. And so Victoria, uh, we have another project that, you know, it's just very nearing uh, development permitting stage, and you know we'll we'll be looking to continue to backfill that future development pipeline so that we can consistently uh, continue to add value uh, through our developments. Thank you, uh, James. One, I, I, I'm just going to add to that. Yash, Brio was mentioned, and that's a perfect example of what happens with new development. When we started Brio, you know, our estimated cost was a lot lower than what we actually. Uh, completed it for, and now the completion cost of Brio is super cheap compared to the construction cost we're seeing, and so everything changes, and the significant inflation that we keep on seeing in new construction year in, year out, all of a sudden makes us look a lot better now, uh, and Brio, by the way, is 100% occupied, and and uh, our partner uh, Rio can mentioned that we reached 100% occupancy in Northwest Calgary sooner than the Young and Eglinton uh, newly developed uh, uh, rental community in, in, uh, in Toronto. And so we have experienced that over the development cycle, there's a significant change in prices that we're locked in. And that's, that's the importance of making sure our contracts are locked in and our partners uh, uh, are, are, are super on cost control and delivering on time, on budget, like we're seeing in Brampton. And we're seeing the exact same 
uh, value creation in Brampton occur now with construction costs continuing to escalate and our costs being locked in and that value that we're creating is growing and growing as we complete this community and and so we're 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 just scratching the surface uh, with this program. Many other multifamily private um, uh, providers have a hybrid uh, development uh, slash ownership model, and these private companies create capital and are super capital efficient and uh, self-sustainable and have grown and grown and grown in some of the most successful private multifamily community providers have this exact hybrid model. Right. No, no, I was aware of your uh, Calgary projects, but when you talked about Quebec, it felt like you're thinking of, you know, going, you know, across your portfolio and uh, replicate that model. So is that yeah. something you guys are considering, that you can take oh. that model and apply anywhere else? Yeah. So, so Quebec, for example, uh, thank you for bringing Quebec up. Uh, a, a big uh, repositioning we're doing in Quebec, which is creating significant value, is the conversion of our seniors community in Quebec City to a regular multifamily community. This is this is cutting our operational uh, costs by hundreds of thousands of dollars because we're converting back to multifamily. The cap rate is dropping significantly, and when we looked at last star, and that's star in French, and that certainly is a star example of our repositioning capability that we've completely re-engineered and moved way ahead of, of our peers with respect to our, our specifications and the value that we create with our repositioning program and walked that site and there's a huge acreage or, 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 or many acres of empty land at our last community and we're like wow this is this is amazing and with the um, uh, experience we have economically building this low frame uh, product uh, it, it's what we call in-house a no-brainer we went to our other uh, townhouse community that's in a very high-end uh, residential community residential prices are rising as we have all seen uh, uh, single-family home price increases. So there's a big demand for larger two, three, four-bedroom unit layouts in in um, in one of our uh, Quebec communities, and and so it, it's it's location specific. Every location is unique within a submarket and region, and we're you know we're revisiting everything with that new lens and seeing a lot okay. of opportunity. Thanks. Okay, thank you. Thank, thank you, Yash. Thank you. At this time, I would like to turn the call back over to Mr. Collius. Please go ahead, sir. Uh, thank you, operator. And as always, if there are any further questions or comments, please do not hesitate to contact us. With gratitude, we'd like to thank our amazing team of heroes, our great leaders, loyal residents, CMHC, our lenders, and all our stakeholders. It really is all about our amazing team of heroes whose huge shoulders we stand, and as leaders, we continue to do everything we can to support continued growth in Extraordinary. We really can't thank our amazing team and great leaders enough. 
We are pleased with our improving results on a foundation of exceptional value we continue to provide our resident members, our investors, and all our stakeholders. Our home is much more than a place. Our future is family, where love always lives. What can be more important when choosing where to call home? Thank you again, everyone, for joining us this morning, and may God bless us all with healing, health, and peace through all times. We now close with a summary of our call. The bull is back in Alberta. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, this does indeed conclude your conference call for today. Once again, thank you for attending. And at this time, we do ask that you please disconnect your lines. Have yourselves a good weekend. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.